Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because it's 80s comedy day for Junesploitation. So we're here to talk some 80s comedy, which means I am joined to talk A Fish Called Wanda by former CIA operative Rob DiCristino. Hi, Rob. Parmigiani. Mozzarella. <laughs> Benito Mussolini. Roberto Bonini. <laughs> you know it turns me on when you speak Italian. <laughs> what does it turn you on these days? Well, man? good point. Um, how Happy are you? Happy exploitation. Happy June exploitation. How's your June exploitation been? It's going okay. Yeah, that's kind of how mine is too. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, not been my most successful June exploitation, but I'm no. trying. I'm out there trying, just like everybody else. This has been my worst June exploitation. Not like quality wise, just in terms of my ability to participate, to keep up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been in a similar position, but still yeah. got some good stuff. All right, good. Um, well, let's get into it. What have you What have you seen lately? Okay. You want to talk about that now? Is that what we're going to do? Sure, let's do that. Let's just do that part. All yeah, right, cool. let's do that part. Uh, let's do it see. Last week. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what day it was for, but I recently watched Steven Soderbergh's film Solaris for the first time. Interesting. His remake of the 19... <laughs> science fiction film. I love Steven Soderbergh. Uh, occasionally we'll go on a Steven Soderbergh binge um, and just never, for whatever reason, got around to Solaris. Always okay. heard good things about it and just for whatever reason, never watched it. Uh, I don't want to say I had a good time with it because that's <laughs> not the kind of movie it is. Uh, but um, definitely my jam, a lonely people in outer space type movie who have psychological problems. That's like three of the five things that I am. <laughs> so I had a great time with it. Uh, produced by James Cameron. Does he have anything to do with the screenplay? Written, I think, or collaborated. I, I feel like he might have co-authored the adaptation of the 1972 Andre Tarkovsky go. Solaris, which I have never seen. And I've never read the novel by... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one that came out in 19... <laughs> uh, screenplay. It looks like it's just Cameron produced. Oh, okay. But you know him. We know, you know, we know Jimmy. I mean, I do. He's He's got his hands in everything. <laughs> of course. Um, Patrick, what do you think of Solaris? I haven't seen it in a number of years, but mm -hmm. it was a movie that I caught up with on DVD. I didn't see it theatrically for whatever reason, and then saw it on DVD and really liked it. Yes. Uh, this is early in Clooney's film career-ish, early-ish. The first, Yeah, I mean, it's after years. the first Oceans. Oceans. It's after Out of Sight. So he had yeah. collaborated with Soderbergh a number of times, and like those seem to be some of his more successful collaborations. Although, interestingly enough, Solaris, the rare movie to receive the dreaded F cinema score. That's right. But that um, usually means it's going to be good, because... Yeah. The Box got an F Cinema score. Killing Me Softly got an F Cinema score. Or Killing, yeah. killing Them Softly? Killing Them Softly. Killing Me Softly is Heather Graham. 
killing them softly is Brad Pitt. Are we sure? We don't seem like we're sure. I'm not sure at all. Okay. What's this? I on? used to be sure of things on this podcast. Those years are long since past. We're just making it up now, folks. I'm oh, fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. I remember liking Solaris, uh, but I, I'm probably due for a revisit. I did, speaking of Soderbergh, try to watch Magic Mike's Last Dance on HBO mm. Max, and I didn't mm. get very far. Mm. It's got a great opening uh, scene, uh, opening sequence, uh, okay. dance in the beginning. Yeah, I saw I him give the strip dance to Salma Hayek. Great. Um, and he goes to England much... to like teach people, and I'm I was kind of like I might be out. I was I was uh, I don't remember really what I wrote in my review, but but I do remember feeling like it felt like it was a it was a backdoor pilot for a stage show, and then I found out that it basically was. Uh... It was sort of very much related to the Magic Mike stage show that they've done. That there's like actors from that in there. I, yeah, I, I really wasn't. I didn't. I love Magic Mike XXL. I think that's great, and I think the first movie's solid as well. Um, but I was. I remember being super disappointed in that one. Yeah, come on, Soderbergh. Yeah, yeah. What Get are we doing? Together. Get it together, man. But he's like one of those. You know, you, ever, you throw a thousand things at the wall, and you kind of right. You know, every third one sticks. But anyway, Solaris, super fun. If you're looking for something super lonely and esoteric <laughs> and uh, yeah. depressing uh, in space. Um, yeah pair nicely with uh lost in space um i like where your head is at blarp because uh, blarp does, appears in both he, he appears in both yes he does the Clooney solaris is all about him mourning the loss of blarp of blarp <laughs> talking to ghost blarp played by and you natasha mcgenro 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 no no okay all right, well, never mind. <laughs> I don't know uh, what I it is, I also saw... Let's see. Let's just move on, because... Um, what else did I see? I also saw... Oh, I went to a screening this week of uh, Joyride. Okay. A new comedy featuring some, lady, featuring some ladies. Have we heard yeah. of this? I've seen trailers, and I'm waiting to laugh, but I, I was like, well, Stephanie Sue is in this, and I really like her, so I'm yeah. willing to give it a chance. You're fine. Okay. God damn it. <laughs> There's a couple little funny bits in there. Um, mm, that's about it. That's okay. It's that's... a bunch of girls going on a road trip, and it's incredibly raunchy. Um, I guess if you're looking for that, that's fine. That's okay. all I got. All right. I I mean I I, I appreciate. The idea behind it, anytime sure. there's sort of a raunchy comedy, but with women instead of men, it's like, I guess this is progress. And this, of course, is a mostly Asian cast. And so it's like, well, I guess this is progress. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like maybe the movie's not that great. I mean, there's a couple of funny bits. It, it's overly plotty. It's one of those things where it, uh. it does the travel comedy thing. And it's like, there's too much plot for this. You don't need this. Stop. <laughs> Just calm this down. We don't need this whole side thing and this tangent and this character's got a fascination with this which then comes in later and you're just like yeah come on stop just have fun um so not great uh but you know it'll be on max in two and a half weeks probably I oh think. i'll for sure watch it on max yeah it's that's it's a max watch it's a it's, yeah. it's something you, you throw on when it doesn't cost you anything i remember girls trip being the last movie to sort of try to do this and that movie yeah. was a huge surprise success yeah 
And I didn't love that movie. I remember it was the first time I became aware of Tiffany Haddish. And I was kind of like, holy shit, who is that? Right. And now I'm maybe a little burned out on Tiffany Haddish, the, right. the comedian Tiffany Haddish. I, you know, when Paul Schrader puts her in the card counter or something, I'm all in. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, Stephanie Zoo is the same energy where it's like, okay. she's the breakout. She's kind of, put in there to be this sort of wild card and you're kind of like oh well she pops and she'll be in six more things and good, that's good, good good but that's all that's all you really need okay um other than that i just been um uh, i saw asteroid city last, last week uh, yeah the yeah, yeah anderson film which i very very much enjoyed um and i've been doing a little little anderson scattershot binge here and there i like to i like to kind of you know, just just reassess, take a look, think about my list, and think about where Anderson's various projects fit on my top lists and so on. And uh, I, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. Um, and I did a couple rewatches, and Grand Budapest and Moonrise are still at the top of my list. And I still think The French Dispatch was vastly vastly underrated a couple of years ago. Um. But other than that, my Anderson list remains the same. Okay, which is what's Moonrise is still Moonrise is still my favorite. I still okay. have there's just because of emotional connections to that sure. um, Grand Budapest. I still think it's his best movie. Um, I did watch Bottle Rocket for the first time. Oh, I had okay. never seen it. Okay, um, feels the, obviously like the most outlier of all of them, just because yeah. it's barely a Wes Anderson movie as we understand <laughs> it today, you know what I mean? But you've yeah. still got sort of some of the symmetrical framing and so on. But I mean that was it was fine. It was an interesting thing to watch as kind of like, oh here, you know, this is his first one and you can see the building blocks and all that. But um definitely an early kind of first movie. But I didn't I didn't dislike it. It's just I don't think it's something I'll go back to that often. I I weirdly like it a lot, even though it totally feels like a first movie and at times almost like a student film. Yeah. Um, I used to show it in class all the time. We would go from Harold and Maud to Bottle Rocket because I think there's a lot of comparisons Definitely. that can be made. And it fascinated me because I'd be like, okay, class, we're going to watch the first movie from Wes Anderson. And that means nothing to them. Definitely. So it's just another movie that I'm showing them where like Lightning McQueen is young. <laughs> and that's it. They have no frame of reference. They don't know who James Caan is. They don't even know who Luke Wilson is. But Lightning McQueen is in it, and he's kind of young. I had my like least successful lineup of movies in a film class this year. I, 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 I mean, I guess I showed some weird stuff. Like I showed Hail Caesar. I showed oh, I show Scott, that every semester. I showed Scott they Pilgrim, <laughs> and they were just like, "What is this?" What I was yeah. like, I don't know. Um, where? What to you? Did you see Asteroid City yet? No, not yet. Okay, all right. Um, Reading your review, the, the, I was like, "Am I going to love this or hate this?" I, I, I was, I was talking to uh, Adam, who said that he was less thrilled with it than I was, and I, I, it's the thing where I saw it and I said, "Like, I definitely get why you wouldn't like this." Okay. I just don't, th- I don't think it's especially. Well, I should put it this way: I don't think it's more Wes Andersony in an annoying, like, twee way. Okay. Than other movies, I think other movies are more "quote unquote" annoyingly Wes Anderson than this one. Um, but I read a lot of reviews that were like, "It's the most Wes Anderson movie ever," and I just don't agree with that really at all. I think its tone is interesting and it's it's different enough. It's got a little bit of the sardonic humor that he's usually has, but like 
there's a little bit of Royal Tenenbaums in there where it's, it's kind of about sadness and loneliness. And, you know, I know they all kind of are, but in this way, I felt like it was a little bit more pronounced um, along the lines of that movie than some of the other kind of, you know, again, kind of like twee stuff that he's famous for. I feel like his first three are still maybe my favorite. And then I tap out a little bit, even though I really like, Grand Budapest Hotel, and I've never yeah. fully disliked one of his movies, although I've still never seen Isle of Dogs. Uh, all the rest oh of them I, I like to varying degrees, but I I am a little, I think, burned out on the Wes Anderson-ness of it all. I mean, I totally get that, and I totally understand, and I totally, you know, although it seems like, I think, box office-wise, this is one of his more successful movies. I yeah, think I think it's doing really, really well. well. Yeah. Um. And it's it's great to see new players like Hanks comes in and he knows exactly what to do. Johansson, it feels like she's always been in these movies, although it does kind of remind you, you know, that she was an indie actress at first, you know, what right, I mean? right, right. before she was a huge movie star. Um, I really enjoyed I enjoyed Astro City. I, I enjoyed review, um, revisiting a bunch of his um, older movies. Yeah, I definitely I think I would love doing that. Just having like a Wes Anderson film festival would be fun. There's never time to take on projects like that because it's always yeah. like i gotta watch some bullshit for june's playstation <laughs> or like six movies for a podcast or you know whatever but yeah. um, i get it with bottle rocket thing i think if i had grown up with bottle rocket i would appreciate it more it's one of those sure right it's like if i'd watch it six times when i was 20 i would totally get it but yeah just you know for me it's just like oh interesting moving yeah. on yeah I have almost like nothing new to talk about because i've either been watching stuff for june's playstation or just like revisiting old sixties movies. Cause I'm in a real sixties thing right now. Um, I did watch, uh, Erica and I watched the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix, which it? I can't say enough good things about. I mean, nice. Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, along with Michael J. Fox, they were like the first and maybe Tom Hanks. Those were like my first movie stars and I would see everything they did. Uh, I don't think, until junior, I never missed a Schwarzenegger movie in the theater. And then even after junior, I don't think I missed another one. You know, now his movies don't even get theatrically released. But uh, up until they did, I saw every Schwarzenegger movie theatrically. And uh, I just think the world of him, I think the documentary paints him in a really good light. And not just because it's entirely flattering. It doesn't shy away from the mistakes he's made and the scandals in which he's been involved. And he fesses up to all of that. Um, And to the degree that he can inside of a documentary takes responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's broken up into three parts, which is annoying because it could have been one movie, but the first hour is all bodybuilding. The second hour is Hollywood. The third hour is politics. Okay. Uh, Which is really interesting that, his career has these three significant movements and he became almost as successful as you can be in all three. I mean, he never made it to the presidency, but he was the two term governor of California. I mean, he's always struck me as incredibly just seeing him on like Instagram and Reddit and stuff in the last, you know, 10 years or so. He's always struck me as a pretty open guy, pretty, as you said, straightforward about like, yep, mess this up. Yep. Did that wrong. But also just like the, the kind of, 
the learning he's done since then, or, you know, the learning he's done because of that. And I mean, right. you can't argue with his resilience and you can't argue with those things. The guy is just a, a star. And um, yeah, I mean, he was as big a part of my childhood as he was of yours. So it's, right. I, I haven't, I don't really know why I haven't gotten around to it yet. I just haven't probably just been watching a bunch of bullshit. For <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to call it next year. I think <laughs> June's exploitation bullshit. Do you have like a discovery of June's exploitation thus far? Not nothing huge yet. I okay. want to go in and 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 take a couple looks at what people are. I said this at the beginning with Adam of June exploitation. I want to go in and take a look at see what people were really been watching. What like, yeah. what what's really stood out for a lot of people. Um, and and try to check out a couple. My June has not been as my June is typically the second half of my June is typically a little bit more easygoing. Um, because uh, you know, school ends and and but but just it hasn't happened that way this year, so I haven't yeah. had a chance. So my June exploitation will likely extend into July, um, oh, okay. and I'll be able to watch some stuff. But um, how about you? Have you found anything in particular that you really like? I've been doing a lot of rewatches, which I know is like cheating and shitty, but uh, I think just mentally that's where I'm at. Where I'm like, I don't feel like taking chances on new stuff. I'm not a, in a discovery place. I just need comfort right now. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, especially yeah. when it's something like, like for a good example, like Shakes the Clown. Like I was gonna watch because we just did that with Adam for um for reserved seating, and I was like, had the time, and it was just like, no, I'm not. I don't feel right about this. Right, I'm not yeah. gonna give this movie a fair shake right now. No pun intended, because it's like I'm not in the mood to discover right. something new. I'm not right. in the mood to pay attention to something new. I'm gonna watch something I've watched a thousand times because that's what I feel like doing right now. You right. Know? Um, and I probably liked that movie more because I took the time to watch it when I was in the mood to watch something. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I did host a uh, screening of Mallrats, which was uh, I j- joked at the screening because it was pretty full. And it's an Adam joke that like this was the most people ever gathered to see Mallrats <laughs> since I won't even say opening day because yeah, I was there opening day and there was no one else there <laughs> opening day. Um, it was my first time seeing it in a theater since opening day. And, uh, you know, again, it's a movie that's comfortable. I don't think it's great. No. I think it gave the world Jason Lee. And for that, I will forever be thankful. I think Erica and I were talking after the movie. Shannon Doherty is really good at handling Kevin Smith's dialogue. Yeah. And it stands out in the movie because you get somebody like Jeremy London or Jason London, which London? Jeremy, I think, right? Okay, I think you're right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the London brother who's in it is not great at handling Kevin Smith's dialogue. And no, so... and I think that's what... I probably didn't know this then. For as much of a Kevin Smith guy as I am, I've never really been a big Mallrats guy. I've always sort of understood Mallrats and appreciated him and like, yeah, no, I get it. Totally falls right in line with everything. Also, right. I, you know, I wasn't there at the time, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I latched on to chasing Amy so early where I saw chasing Amy before I saw clerks. So like, oh, that okay. was, you know, it was a weird order for me. Um, and the one thing that always stood out to me about mall rats was the, the, the way that the London brother, Jeremy, <laughs> um, uh, he, he didn't feel like a lead. He didn't feel yeah. like a Kevin Smith lead. He felt like he was on Saved by the bell and then he was popular. And so I know he wasn't, but I'm just saying like, he felt like that kind of TV actor, who came on because he was popular. The studio wanted him. Kevin Smith's making concessions for his big first big studio movie. Right. And they cast this guy and it's like, eh, not so much. But as you said, Doherty is great. And obviously Jason Lee is magical in that movie. 
Well, London Brother is like top build. He was, I guess, like the <laughs> the name at the time, yeah. as you said, and is ostensibly the lead of the film. The story is sort of about him trying to get back with Claire Forlani, Forlani but Lee just steals it hijacks the whole movie yeah, i mean he, he just <laughs> you could tell he even gets the resolution at the end like his story resolves after london brothers because kevin smith's heart is so clearly with the brody renee romance i wonder if they'd found that in editing like if they like if right. kevin had realized like kevin i call him kevin because we're friends yeah i know um, i know um that like oh wow this guy's popping so much more like i just realized yes! today i feel like I, f- I feel like a writer, director, slash editor, the way he is today, he would just be like, let's just cut this other stuff out. We don't <laughs> need this. Let's stick with this Jason Lee guy. He's a lot of fun. And he goes um, on to be a regular in the Kevin Smith company, whereas London Brother does not. No pleasure, no rapture, nor exquisite sin greater <laughs> than central air. <laughs> My all-time favorite Jason Lee deliveries. Mine might be... <laughs> When they ask him, have you ever thought of hosting your own talk show? He just goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of good, Jason good stuff in Mallrats. Our there son is. was with us and I forgot how dirty it is. Like I remembered the topless psychic stuff, mm-hmm. but I forgot all the jokes about like Ben Affleck wanting to fuck girls in the ass and like a lot yeah. of other stuff that I was like, oh, I wonder how much of this he's even getting. Yeah, in the back of a Volkswagen. The, right. And like the chocolate covered pretzel thing, you're just like, man, he really makes a meal out of that. No oh, point yeah. again. And you're just like, he just keeps going back to it. You're like, it's yeah. not as funny. <laughs> no, it's really not that funny. I did do trivia at the beginning and I nice. handed out bags of chocolate covered pretzels. Nice. There you go. See, that works. That's like, that. you know, that'd be like a, a June exploitation or a June exploitation. Right. And this movie fest gift from the box. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, you know, exactly. Like... <laughs> and it was funny because I gave him to the first guy. And he took them and he goes, oh, great. And I said, they're a little melty. And then the audience almost joined in and said, but damn, are they exquisite? And oh, it was it was a nice moment. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, Mallrats yeah. always brings people out. So that's, you know, if nothing else, that's that's cool. That's cool. To do yeah. That. So nice. let's talk about a fish called Wander. Let's do it. From 1988. I had just revisited this movie a couple of years ago. Well, Erica and I saw it at the draft house on one of our Austin trips. But then I think when we did our best of 88 show for F this movie fest, which was like the COVID year. So that would have been 2021. So it was two years ago. Sounds right. Um, I rewatched it then to see if it was on my top 10 list. I believe it was. I have always been a fan of this movie. Where, where are you at? 100%. 100%. This was um, my best friend, Mike. This was his one of his favorite movies growing up. Um, and I remember watching it a lot with him. I kind of always associate with this, him and his dad. I think it was like a movie that he and his dad, I'd have to ask him, um, kind of shared. Um, and so uh, I'd watched it a bunch when I was younger and then not for a long time. And then when Arrow put out the Arrow. Blu-ray, Arrow, um, I picked that up and rewatched it again for the first time and, uh, and watch it every, every couple years. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a ton of fun. And when you, when you mentioned, we asked me to do a show for, for eighties comedy, I was kind of left for some reason, maybe it's cause it's in the A's and it was near the top. Like, <laughs> you put it in like, the A's. Well, it's in the IMDB app. Oh, like, oh, I, oh, I store okay. everything in IMDB and they do I the thought, articles. I thought no, that's no, where you on, filed not, your not Blu-ray. <laughs> like, what kind no, of psycho no, are no, you? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> No, IMDB, I think, organizes everything with the articles first. And so A okay. was at the top. Um, Got it. And I was like, yeah, don't overthink it. 
Let's go with this one. <laughs> Let's go I actually don't you. even know. I actually, I mean, I could have looked in the archives and looked to see how you felt about it, but I wasn't even sure when you said, "Let's do that." I was like, oh, "Does he like this one?" I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah, I do. Um, and one of the things that I like about it, and I was trying to think, I was like, "There's another movie that I've always said this about," and then I remembered what it was, and I'm not proud of it. Um, old school. Okay. The two movies are nothing alike, but one of the things that I always admired about old school was that I feel like all three leads, uh, which is to say Vince Vaughn, Will Ferrell, and Wilson brother. Uh, it would Luke. be Luke Wilson. Yeah, Luke. I was just doing a callback to the Mallrats bit. I gotcha. Um, yeah, so... I stepped on your joke. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. It was... Oh, trust me. There was nothing there to step on. <laughs> um. I think they all are funny and yet I think they all find different ways to be funny. Yes. They're not all just, I mean, nothing against like airplane or the naked gun or whatever, but like the style of comedy is consistent throughout those entire movies where it's just like, if you like this kind of joke, this movie is for you and we're just going to keep doing that. Right. And I think something like old school is a little more based in character as much as it is like reliant on certain gags. Um, I think Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell and Luke Wilson all find different ways to be funny. And that's true of a fish called Wanda. I think you have four lead performances and they're all funny, but in completely different ways. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I remember, you know, this one, obviously the movie is sort of tangentially Python related, obviously, you know, so when I got on, when I was growing up, I was a huge Python guy. And um, I, I remember, I, I don't remember who described this to me um, as it's, oh, it's the movie where John Cleese wrote himself as a romantic lead. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. want <laughs> <laughs> to watch that. Yeah, you would never picture him as that and i think if he hadn't written himself as a romantic lead we never would have seen that happen never would have happened yeah no but i Um, think it works really well like i think he totally pulls it off yeah yeah he's sympathetic and obviously Mm -hmm. his character is archie leach it was harry grant and so there's a little bit of a you know he's obviously trying to draw a connection there um i i read i think i read it was roger ebert's four-star review of this movie um and he mentions the movie being um the comedy in it being particularly transatlantic in that there are two english stars and two american stars mm-hmm. and they and they comp they all complement each other like incredibly well but that was a really interesting way yeah. kind of a tip typically roger ebert way to describe it i think that is a lot of what makes the the movie interesting because the movie is kind of about being English. Like so mm-hmm. much of the John Cleese character is sort of about how, you know, being reserved and being all that. Um, but then obviously there's so much of this sort of the, 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 the American characters bring so much, especially Kevin Klein and his, um, in his reserved and, and really sort of thoughtful performance um, in this movie um, uh, bring a lot of energy, you know, brings a lot of this sort of over the top quote unquote American energy to this. And they do, they complement each other really, really well. They do. I was watching it and I was like, I, I, there's a lot of English comedy that I will admit doesn't totally translate for me. Sure. Uh, and this does. And I think part of it is because it's England by way of, america or rather america by way of england um and that it is sort of this culture clash so that even when the cleese stuff is more english humor 
Um, we're viewing it through an, a, a sort of an American lens because we're seeing him through Jamie Lee Curtis's eyes, through Kevin Klein's eyes. Um, and uh, I think it serves both audiences. Like I think fans of English humor will find enough to like in this movie. And I don't think it alienates American audiences at all. No, I think it, and again, I think it <clears throat> translates really well with both. Um, I I have to admit, I was surprised when I look at the field for the Best Supporting Actor Oscar this year, like very surprised to see that Klein won for this. Yeah. Um, who else do we have? In the... So the field for this is... Uh, okay. Um, hold on. You're going to ask me that, and I know I have to go. <laughs> So this would be the 1989 Oscars, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the awards. You just cut all this out. This is fine. <laughs> I'm just going to talk. Uh, fish, a fish gold wonder. I'm looking fish, it up. Gold wonder. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. Michael Palin. And John Cleese. John Cleese. In a fish. <laughs> nope that's just a picture of kevin klein all right this is going disastrously uh, while you are looking that up i just want to yeah. talk about the fact because i said like oh i think it translates to both audiences yes and i was right about that because this movie made an insane amount of money i don't and think i realized what a big hit it was so we've got to go back elekinus in little dorrit which i've never seen okay i haven't either Martin what? Lando in Tucker, the man in his dream. Tucker, the man in his dream. <laughs> River Phoenix, <laughs> running on empty. Yeah. And Dean Stockwell in Married to the Mob, ah. which is also a performance I enjoy. Weird year. Kind of a soft year, I think. I mean, I've seen four of the five because I haven't seen Little Dorrit, and I no. refuse to believe anyone has. But then I every time I say that, our comments are flooded by like, Little Dorrit is my favorite movie. Um I love Dean Stockwell and Married to the Mob. Interesting yes. that we had, we nominated two comic performances this year. Yes. That's uh and three in best supporting actress because this is year that Gina Davis wins for Accidental Tourist. We also have Joan Cusack and Sigourney Weaver for Working Girl nominated. Yeah. So comedy is kind of all over the supporting nominations. And Melanie Griffith in the lead actress role for Working Girl as well. And Tom Hanks for Big. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, that's more comedy than we get now when we're up to 10 nominees. Well, listen, the book hasn't closed on Joyride yet. No, I know. I'm, I'm expecting big things. Um, yeah, it is maybe not the strongest year. I like that Kevin Klein won because I like that a, they awarded comedy, even if it was only a supporting performance, which is all they'll ever give it. Um, and I like that Kevin Klein has an Oscar because I'm a huge Kevin Klein fan. And also it's a fun performance. <laughs> it's a really oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> it's an amazing performance because of how much he seems to be enjoying himself. I think everybody oh, in this movie seems to be having a really good time. Um, but Kevin Klein more than anyone. Everyone in this movie having a good time. Everyone in this movie is super hot. Too. I think it's hot. Sure. I think Michael, it's, Michael I, Palin. Are you are Michael Palin? Oh, I planting our flag that Palin is hot. He can bring his fish any day. That's that's <laughs> fine. He can bring the whole aquarium. 
Um, no, but uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously a short-haired queen, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, and, have you been uh, watching? Uh, have you been watching The Bear? No, I keep meaning to start it. I know you actually. I think I heard from first that it was good, so I need to check it, it out. There's good, and then there's The Bear. Um, wow. It's so That's good, crazy. but they just did an episode this season that was like a flashback episode, and all of the family members are played by big stars: Bob Odenkirk, John Mulaney. Oh, wow. um uh Sarah Paulson but the mother is played by Jamie Lee Curtis and she gives a performance for the ages that's awesome as uh, as the son of dysfunctional Italians you may respond to it quite a bit sounds like it's quite a bit <laughs> yeah it really it really might be um, so speaking of reserved and understated, you know, when Jamie Lee Curtis hears an accent or or language, <laughs> the part where she's just rolling around on the floor. Well, okay, so Landis is kind of the first person to say, like, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is a good comic actress, and he puts her in Trading Places. Yes. Um, and she's great in that movie, great. but I think this movie gives her way more to do. And what I really like about Cleese and um, Crichton, Charles Crichton, um, who was nominated for Best Director for this movie. Fucking insane. And like was, I mean, no disrespect, but very, very old. Like, yeah, this this is his last movie. This is the very end of his career. It's incredible. Um, Yeah, I guess I just didn't realize how much of a pop culture impact this movie had in 1988. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis. I like that Charles Crichton and John Cleese are like, she's very, very beautiful. What can we do with that? Not just she's very, very beautiful and go. (laughs) It's like, Hey, what if there was something to that? What if she was, seducing everyone what if you know she was using her looks to her advantage or you know uh that she has pieces of her character and again when she actually starts falling for archie and gets rejected by archie like all that stuff lands because she sells it so well and because like for so much of the movie you're not sure she's playing one right. and she's playing right. the other and then right. it almost occurs it almost occurs to the audience before it occurs to her that she's actually a Archie. and right. so as you said by the time the rejection stuff happens by the time she has to sort of reset the the performance and reset the game that she's playing um it's such a wonderful character moment she's i mean she's brilliant in this. she's great i was just rewatching some uh, i will occasionally speaking of things that make us feel comforted i will occasionally just throw on new girl in the background where I'm watching and she plays uh, the mom on. New oh, Girl. that's she right. She, she and Rob Reiner are the parents. Right. Um, and I just, so I just saw her recently on, on, on the, on the TV. Um, I was and, thinking about uh, doing a new girl rewatch, but who has time for that? I mean, you know, June's PlayStation. So good. Um, <laughs> I could go off about new girl. I think new girl is super great. Super underappreciated. I know. Um, I used to really like it when it was on, but I don't know that I could go back and rewatch the whole thing. I would like to, but I just don't know if I will. Seasons three and four are my two favorites. They're the ones I'll throw on if I'm if I'm looking for something to watch. But uh, and what makes those? How many seasons just, were there? Um, there was seven altogether. Holy the last The last one was like the half season. Um, okay. it's the it's the two the two Damon Wayne seasons or Damon Marlon Jr. Whichever Wayne's, Damon Wayne's Jr. Damon Wayne's Jr. Yeah. Um, 
work because he plays the character who is in the pilot and then right. they recast him. When they don't recast him, they change the character. You would think they right. would just recast him with another right. black actor, but they keep the character in the continuity and then they bring him back for the third and fourth seasons after his show. Happy Endings. Happy Endings you told me to watch and I still haven't watched. Um, Great after show. That was, after that was canceled, he came back to New Girl. Um, okay. And his two seasons where he's in the gang are really, really, really fun. I really like them all together. But anyway, we're talking about official call. <laughs> well, let me just say this about happy endings. Okay. You have to get through like five episodes. Okay. Where um, they're trying to, it's streaming on Hulu. Okay. Uh, if you're at all interested and apparently on the Roku okay. channel. I have to watch the bear first, but I will get, you to do it. have to watch the bear, which is also yeah. on Hulu. The thing about um, Happy Endings is the first couple episodes, they're like trying to make it, you know, kind of an updated friends. And there's a central Mm -hmm. couple with Alicia Cuthbert and this other actor whose name I don't remember. And it's like, are they going to get back together? And then at a certain point, they're like, oh, we don't care. Let's just be absurd. Yeah. And that's where the show goes for the rest of its run. And it's terrific. And that's why it was canceled. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of comedy, not getting the uh, recognition deserved. Oh my gosh, we need more good comedy in the world. I did not see uh, No Hard Feelings this past weekend, even though I really wanted to because I want to support theatrical comedy because there's so little of it. Uh, so I, I will see it before its run is over. I did not see it because the the the, the screening was the same night as the Joyride screening, and I uh, you went, being you went Joyride. Well, because I because I was slated to TV's Rob uh, was slated to make an appearance, and that was the one that was a little bit more audience. Uh, I thought had a little bit more of a wider appeal. Got it. Um, and so I picked that one because I thought it was possible that that one will be picked. Then I didn't end up doing a segment that week anyway. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, I will be doing a segment on Friday on oh, nice. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Have you seen it? No, I'm seeing it. I will see it the day this comes out. Oh, if you're got listening it. Okay. to this on Wednesday, I am seeing it tonight. All right. I wanted to do a whole Indiana Jones rewatch before the new one comes out because you'll see I very cleverly made Friday sequels day because I was like, that's the day I'm going to go see Dial of Destiny. I already know I can't go see Dial of Destiny on Friday, so I'll have to watch a different sequel, maybe one of the other Indiana Jones sequels, and then I'll see Dial of Destiny on Saturday. I rewatched Raiders a couple weeks ago and I was kind of like, that's the one I wanted to rewatch. And that's the one okay. I'm like, eh, we'll see. I would, I would like to rewatch Kis- uh, Crystal Skull though. I need to rewatch fucking last crusade. I don't think I've seen that movie in 30 years. I watched that recently okay. as well. Not as recently as Raiders. I watched that in the last year. Um, I, I think that that movie is so much fun. That's the return of the Jedi. That series where it's just like, it's just, just plays the hits and it okay. does it really well and it plays it safe, but it's still super fun. And so, um, would you say Temple of Doom is the Empire Strikes Back in that it's the best one? I mean, you could certainly argue that. I don't oh, know. I'll that, argue that. I'd argue that Temple of Doom is the best <laughs> one, but I know you'd argue that Temple of Doom is the best one. But you're choosing from three really, really great movies. So, That's true. And maybe four. I don't know. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've uh, heard. I've heard that the, the the Twitter tide changing on. Crystal oh, of Skull. course. Enough time has passed. I did it's see someone tweet that they saw a version that was color corrected and that oh, like it, it got rid of all the Kaminsky nonsense? That, it, that it played way better. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know where one sees this version. 
I, don't I would like to see real. that version if it's going <laughs> to make a difference. Somebody just, somebody just did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fucking with um, their knobs on the TV. TV yeah, still has knobs, say, right? Do I? Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, yeah. They're the big. They're cranks. They're okay. Good. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Once they reach a certain size, they're cranks. We're still living in a knob-based society, is what I'm getting at. I mean, <laughs> look at Congress. Huh? <laughs> oh, what a bunch of knobs! Let's bring knob back as like an insult. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's a total knob. What a knob. <laughs> Folks, so um, she's called Wanda. A bunch of knobs in that movie. A bunch of knobs in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Which sounds like vaguely British, so it works. Yeah. Hasn't been canceled yet, even though it's making fun of a stutter. It is. Um, I was That was going to be one of my questions was, is, yeah. does, does this movie sort of, you know, could it, could a, could, no, no offense, Zoomers, but could a young person watch this and find it? you know, cancelable. Um and you know, I mean the stutter plays the only character who explicitly makes fun of the stutter is Kevin Klein. Yes. And Kevin Klein is the fool. Right. So you could use the chasing Amy argument. Right. Which is like, no no no, like we understand that it's wrong to make fun of this. That's why we have the idiot character do it. Right. If you wanted to argue that you could. Um, and we like John Cleese. And at the end of the film, when John Cleese is trying to get information from Michael right. Palin, he's very patient and very understanding. And, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the stutter is not really the the brunt of the joke, I don't think. I, I mean, sort of in that scene where he can't get it out when he's but singing and stuff. It doesn't make him. I mean, when you look at like, okay, when is a disability or a handicap making you know making a character like low status? You know, when is it making them? What is, when sure. is it putting them at a disadvantage in a way that right. feels inappropriate or feels like you know that you're basically punishing someone for something that they can't help? Right. And again, aside from getting you know shit from Kevin Klein, it doesn't really. I don't think it really lowers the character. In fact, there's you know sort of he has that jubilant moment at the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> revenge revenge i will I was, aside from disappointed i will also sometimes just shout revenge um i will sometimes shout the, asshole so when he opens the safe and he's just like he starts shooting it <laughs> uh, makes me laugh this movie makes me laugh um but anyway i don't know again i don't have a stutter i can't speak for folks who have a stutter um but i i don't necessarily think it's it's an irreparable it's not like an ace Ventura right. thing where you're just like god i can't even watch this movie anymore oh yeah for sure you know what i mean there's that um, one thing where god just take it out like you know yeah Yikes. bill and ted too the same thing i, I, I well bill and ted i can i can handle it in bill and ted it's right. like this homophobic outdated language but it's like it comes and goes very quickly ace ventura like where he's throwing up and like just keeps going (laughs) right just like um we can't do this yeah it's not not that it was okay then either just say right 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 right. times you know um so no i don't think that i don't to me anyway i don't feel that it's but it's also not my place to say that but i don't yeah right it doesn't feel that way to me charlie used to have a stutter he called it bumpy speech and awesome. first of all, band name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should start a band. Yeah, yeah. Bumpy Speech. Check out those knobs in Bumpy Speech. <laughs> <Charlie and> drum. <laughs> uh, 
uh, he went to speech therapy and he corrected it. Uh, yeah. But as someone who lived with a stutterer, it did not offend me. Okay. Well, then there you go. So I speak for everyone, and this movie is not <laughs> that's, offensive. That's, decided, that's done. Putting it away. Wow. I feel good adjudicating on that. So yeah, let's do more. We don't still want to solve. <laughs> um, uh, Brits, problematic? <laughs> it is weird to watch a movie with John Cleese where I'm asked to like John Cleese in 2023 because he's become such an insufferable asshole in real life. Yeah. That's true. Yes. With his complaining about cancel culture and all his <laughs> nonsense, like he just became this grouchy old man. It's like you were one of the funniest people alive. What the fuck happened? And like, I mean, I understand that a person reaches a certain age <laughs> and I fully expect this to happen to me. And it's already happened in much of my life where everything becomes confusing and scary. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't want that near me. What is that? Why are we doing this? Like, like I get it. You know, I'm 36 and I feel that way. You know, I, I can't imagine when I'm in my eighties, you know, or my seventies, how I'll feel. Um, but I also, yeah, at that, at that point, maybe you just close down the Twitter account. Maybe you just, right. you're just like, you know what? culture has moved beyond me maybe i just maybe i just stop like i was randomly looking at i think i was going down a wikipedia rabbit hole after looking up because whenever i look at jamie lee curtis which is often um i always end up on um uh christopher guest's wikipedia page because i've sure. been married for a billion years and christopher guest is like third earl of whatever like you know the royal the british royalty or british lords or whatever they are and I somehow then ended up on Jeremy Irons' Wikipedia page. I was like, Jeremy Irons is a good guy. And I was scrolling through. And then he saw him say some just horrendous bullshit. I'm like, God damn it, Jeremy Irons. For real? And then I just closed it down. And I was like, every different... when you look too far in anybody, you know? What did Jeremy Irons say? Just some stupid thing about gay marriage or something. And blah, blah, no, blah. just shut up about just it, Jeremy shut Irons. Up. Like, stop it. Like, oh. No one asked for your opinion. Right. Yeah. You just Scar. You let somebody sit in front of a microphone long enough. Right. Bunch of knobs talking in the microphones. <laughs> Eventually they're gonna say something terrible. Damn it. Maybe they already have. I don't know. <laughs> Most people probably have. I just need to not research anyone. Exactly. So I can anyway. uh, Cause even Jason Lee, as much as I love Jason Lee, like I'm pretty sure was a Scientologist for a while. Jason and Lee was a Scientologist. Not I'm not attacking anyone's religion, but the more we find out about Scientology, the more it's kind of like, oh, they're protecting some kind of shitty people and that's you know obviously that's the tom cruise argument that was the the that took me off of the elizabeth moss train for the longest time was with yeah. plays my favorite television character of all time on uh, mad men and i was like man that's because you haven't watched the bear because i watched the bear yet. you don't know cousin i don't know cousin i have cousins yeah well then you'll been, definitely like the bear and as, someone who, cousins, as someone who has cousins as someone has cousins <laughs> i can say that the bear is okay <laughs> solve that one what's next um this is a a tangent but no we can't do tangents on this show as you'll discover i don't have a lot to say about a fish called wanda um music do you Mm -hmm. still because i thought of this when you because erica and i have this conversation all the time you were talking about someone who like you find you know new things confusing and scary yes do you seek out new music or are you pretty comfortable with the music that you know um, I listen to the same music that I listened to when I was about 14. I feel like and we all do that. That's about it. 
I think that's everybody except yeah. for Erica. She is continually finding new music. God bless her. I, I yeah, no, I with the exception of um a few uh newer like acts that I discovered through like artists that I used to listen to mm-hmm. and then you know with the obvious exception of Taylor Allison Swift who you know I, I think about and listen to every day um you know I really no I don't seek out anything new I'm okay. very I'm very comfortable it's kind of like friends where I'm just like I've got all the friends I need I don't need some, somebody comes up to me I'm like no we're not gonna talk like no way I don't need you <laughs> um I've got like you know the friends I need and I've got the music I need and yeah Probably why I'm so bad at TV shows because I I I will buy the box set and just rewatch right. it. It's like why do I have TNG? It's all right here. If I need to watch something, I'll just pop that in. Like yeah, you know. well, it's good that you have it because Paramount Plus may pull it at any time. Physical media, folks. Physical media. Well, I, yeah, got, except... I got a couple friends buying Blu-rays again. By the way, yeah, I, I had a couple friends being like, "Wow, I should probably start like picking stuff up." I'm like, hey, "What do you do though?" Like that new Star Trek show that they just pulled. There is no physical. I I never saw the show. I have no idea. Not gonna like, put it out. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just won't exist anymore. Somebody just had a thread. I think it was Mike Flanagan just had okay. a thread about that. Okay. About trying to get Netflix to put. I think it was Mike Flanagan. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, universe. Um, I think he just was talking about trying to get Netflix to put his like some of the yeah. stuff that he made out. And right. as we know with Netflix, it's really only if it's Criterion or. I don't even know if anybody else has done a Netflix thing. I mean, uh, I know like, Netflix puts out like Stranger Things. And yeah, exactly. Like There's a handful of Netflix shit that's been put out, but their movies tend to be Criterion. I just a few hours ago was tweeting about like where the fuck are Criterion Blu-rays of the Five Bloods and uh, 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 Dolomite is my name. Like, I would like to own those movies. I would like them in my collection and I can't own them because there is no physical release. I will not say this. Um, I will not say this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. There is an urge as a as a, a voting member of a critics group that when I receive a physical copy, a physical screener copy of a film that I'm a fan of, that doesn't get a theatrical, uh, yeah. me, that does not get a physical release, there's a strong urge to retain said screener. Obviously, yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. Because I have to destroy them all at the end of right. the voting period. Obviously. We all do. Right. But it is frustrating and it is a compelling urge. I will say that. And maybe yeah. I wouldn't feel that urge if they would put some of these things out on physical media. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I wouldn't have to import a German Blu-ray of Palm Springs. That's insane. Right. I didn't even know Ooh. there was a German Blu-ray of Palm Springs. There's not an American one. No. But at least yeah. there's a German one. That's good. A, German one. A, Hulu, um, a company owned by Disney, the Walt Disney right, Corporation. Right. Did not see fit to put their one of their releases out on physical media. Well, they, did you watch? Didn't you watch The Princess? Wasn't that a movie I recommended to you? Yes. Which rules? Pulled. Gone. Doesn't exist anymore. It just doesn't exist anymore. Nope. Not on what Hulu. Do what do we now? Doing? I have heard that some of these companies are going to begin licensing some of their original content to like Hulu is owned by Disney, Disney, which and... is, which owns Fox. So they may license it to like Tubi because Fox also owns Tubi. So there may be places to see some of this stuff. Maybe, but like if there was a what? Blu-ray of the princess, I would buy it. 
My understanding, when Netflix w- moved away from licensing material into producing their own, yep. the rationale was we won't have to pay licensing fees anymore. Right. Right. The right. idea was if we make our own stuff, then we don't have to pay anybody to hold it. Right. 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 What is the rationale of stuff of of selling off or removing items? Because I, I know it's not paying residuals because otherwise the WGA would not be on strike right now. Right. What is the rationale of removing the princess, a movie that was, I, as far as I understand, produced by the company it was that hosts a, the streaming? It right? was a I mean, it was a Fox. It's a Fox production, jam, like deep, right? Derp, deep water. I almost called it derp water, but so if it's all in house anyway, I will is it never understand like, it. That strange accounting where they're like paying themselves. There was a whole article about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't understand this business, and I but I can see why it's imploding on itself. It, it just continues to get worse. I have though. The Arrow Blu-ray of Fish Call Wanda. So Me too. Bringing it back to Fish Call Wanda. Good movie. Good movie. Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and again, I don't. I don't think this movie changed the direction of her career. But I know shortly after this, she did TV for a while because she was on a show with Richard Lewis called Anything But Love that I used to watch all the time. Hmm. And that was romantic comedy, you know. And I think in the 80s, she had kind of finished doing horror and she was not floundering because she continued to work. But a lot of times it was just like, well, what if there was a hot person? Like if you ever saw Perfect with John Travolta, there's a a very famous gif of her gyrating her hips because she's an aerobics instructor. familiar with it. And it's not a great movie, but it it does ask the question, what if there was a hot person? Yeah, which like more movies, you know, more movies should ask. No, she's brilliant and she's so funny. You can tell she has the most fun. I know she always talks about with horror. Like she says, like, I don't really even really like horror movies. Right. And when you see her in something like this, you can tell like she's just having the time of her life. Yeah. Which is is great. We want her to have fun. And look at this. She does. She's coming off this. And. Obviously. Three movie run of Halloween sequels, whatever you want to call them. She wins the Oscar for everything, everywhere, all at once. She's guest starring on The Bear, which may very well earn her an Emmy nomination, if not a win. Uh, she's having this amazing, like, second or third act of her career. Um, the Oscar win is a little weird, right? Like... I, I like Jamie Lee Curtis a lot. But... I like Jamie Lee Curtis a lot. I listen, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a movie that I have feelings about. And I'm glad for I'm glad for an indie cinema and I'm glad yeah. for the people in that movie and I'm glad yes. for Short Round and I'm glad for everybody. And, yes. and I'm not disrespecting him by calling him Short Round. I just know I'll mispronounce his name. <laughs> um and Jamie Lee Curtis, we love to see it. That's great. Right. right. Um just think Swiss Army Man's a better movie. That's all. Anyway, um Well, I would I would I know, push I push back against that. But and I don't even love everything everywhere all at once, but I can watch it and be like, okay, I get this, I get this, I get this, I get this win, I get this win. Right. Jamie Lee Curtis, huh? <laughs> like interesting. I mean not even the best sense. supporting female performance in that movie. But, but some but sometimes it's just their turn. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, right. Where it's, where right. it's like, look, you know. And Maybe it's an apology for Fish Called Wanda. I mean, it oh, could by be. By the way, 
Baths is a plenty in this movie. I think I think well, Palin of and um Palin and Cleese both win for lead and supporting. Uh and then I think Cleese wins, Cleese Palin wins, wins yeah. Screenplay, right? I think um wrong about that. Cleese nominated. is nominated for screenplay. He's nominated for screenplay. But they just I yeah. said the only wins are Palin and Cleese. But nominations for Kevin Klein for Best Picture, for Best Director, uh, for Jamie Lee Curtis, for Screenplay, for Maria Aitken, Best Actress in a Supporting Role as Cleese's uh, uh, wife. Right. Are that's you... a weird nomination for me. That's, well, that's like, a, hey, we got a big British film. Let's uh, right. just put right. everybody on the list. Charles Crichton. Yeah. Not father of Michael. No. No. And I was surprised when I when I pulled up his resume that he was one of the directors of uh Dead of Night, a horror anthology from the nineteen forties. I was like, Jesus, this guy's been working a long time. This guy's been working since nineteen thirty two. Holy like. cow. Um, as a film editor and director, eventual director. Yeah, have you seen? You said you saw Dead of Night. This might be the only other movie on his resume that I ever saw. Yeah, I don't think I've seen anything else on here. But it looks like he worked primarily in. No, he does comedies on here too. I was going to say yeah. I don't think he works primarily in genre, but right. No. And I think he and Cleese were old friends, and they had sort of made a deal to 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 work together. Um, maybe. I mean, he's a generation before Cleese, though, right? Or are they? I guess they're. No, 1910. He, he's born. He hadn't directed a movie since 1965. Yeah. And I mean, the fact. I mean, this is an incredibly well directed and comedy. I mean, yeah. you know, we talk about comedy. You know, we don't do comedy a lot on the show, just because, as you always say, like comedy is so subjective. And it's right. like, obviously, we're doing it specifically because today is a comedy day. Right. 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 Um, and uh, you know, hard to hard to do, hard to pull off, hard to edit, hard to, and especially you know, frankly, being so much older, but also being able to make something that felt contemporary. It feels mm-hmm. right along of a piece with other '80s comedies, and you know, maybe some of that is Cleese, which you know, allegedly he kind of co-directed a little bit, but right. um, you know, I I just think it works incredibly well. It feels incredibly contemporary for the time. So just just a really cool. I don't know. I don't know if you want to call it a happy accident or like just a. Just a, a something where everything everything works. I think everything in this movie works. And yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, except for the stuff about maybe the stutter, which we already litigated and solved, so we don't need to go back to that. Uh, obviously, if you're an animal lover, you may have issues. Yeah, just forget about that. But I mean, again, it's I get if you just can't get around the idea that it's played for laughs and that Michael Palin himself is an animal lover, you know, the character that he's playing Kent is clearly an animal lover and is horrified by what continues to happen. Um, So there are things, but again, that's just comedy. That's just, you're always taking a risk with like, some people might not like this. Um, Aside from those things, which maybe they wouldn't put in a comedy in 2023. Maybe they would, I don't know. Um, I think the movie has aged very well. I think like the best comedies, it's fairly timeless. There's not a lot of it's 
I, I was I was gonna say it's not mean spirited. It I mean in places it's mean spirited, but not in the way that we understand that today. I don't think. I, I think right, the movie's right, incredibly right. sort of soft pedal. Like it soft pedals a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. Even considering the like the, the ending with Kevin Klein and stuff, you see you could see movies today handle that very differently. Um, in my memory, he dies. It yeah, like yeah. <laughs> in the cement. And then I rewatch the movie, and I'm like, "Oh no, he's on was, the plane yelling yeah, asshole." Think so. of Austin Powers, with the, ah, yeah, <laughs> which is the, the a very funny beat in a movie that has not aged as well as this one. I would argue the first Austin but, Powers, yeah, not as not as well. I haven't watched it recently. Um, it's still funny, but I I almost can't get through the sequels at all. Oh no, I wouldn't even bother with those. I don't think I was never a big gold member guy, but I did like the Spy Who Shagged Me in 1999, mostly because of Heather Graham. And now I just don't think I can get through it. I was a 12 year old boy when that Austin Powers movie came out, and I felt tired by the sequels. Like, I was, <laughs> even I was like, oh, "This is too much." Like, you know, this is one joke, right? Okay, yeah, this is just one joke. But I think that one joke works in the first movie. But if it I does, yeah, I yeah, yeah, seen it forever, yeah. It does, but that's an example of the kind of movie almost like that airplane naked gun style where it's like right. we have one comic sensibility and we're running exactly. with it. And that's okay. Well, like, well we're Kevin, like Kevin Smith, where it's like every every Kevin Smith character talks like Kevin talks Smith. Talks like Kevin Smith, exactly. Um but a fish called Wanda, I think, manages to circumvent that. I will say this is a quibble. Uh, mm. John Duprez, I believe is his name. He scored the movie. Okay. I do not love the score to this movie, which I think at times makes it feel like a TV movie. It's got, I was thinking of that too. It's got a little bit of a, um, I was thinking of like a Beverly Hills cop or running scared where I was like, it, it's trying to have a little bit of a youthful energy when this mm-hmm. movie, I feel like is a lot more classical. Like it is yes. a lot more sort of, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I agree with you there. Yeah. It's like, they're, it's not quite the right flavor. Somebody said comedy score in 88 and it was like, Oh, I'll do it like this. And right. Not quite right for the movie. So I agree with you there. That's my big objection to Mr. Mom too, which we watched for F this movie fest that like the score makes it feel like a TV movie, which is stupid, but like, Landis has been so smart in getting around all that because he always just scores his movies with classical music. And so they don't date. But he also is responsible for deaths. So I'm not necessarily we're not going to solve that one tonight. No, that one we can't fix. (laughs) We failed. Yeah, we finally we finally met an opponent. (laughs) uh anything else about a fish called wanda no No, it's it rules yeah (laughs) this is one of those shows where it's like ah this this movie's great everyone should watch it it is really good i mean uh yeah i just don't know again as you pointed out like we would we don't often do comedy on here because it just comes down to like well this is funny right and this is funny or this isn't but I think we tell you know enough about the characters, as we said, like the Jamie Lee Curtis character is is a an archetype, but she's able to do and allowed to do a lot more with it than typical. Right. You see John Cleese in a role that you wouldn't see Cleese in. Um, you know, it helps when you realize that he wrote it for himself. Sure. Kind of <laughs> like, yeah, but but he but he pulls it off. There's a lot yeah. of really good stuff in there. Um, but then Palin and Klein are obviously just, you know. Klein especially is told, I'm sure, just feeling the movie. Just go, yeah, just, just, just go. Just is go. the secret to Kevin Klein his mustache? 
because <laughs> when I see him in movies without a mustache, with the exception of maybe Dave, I'm not as sold on Kevin Klein. The secret to Kevin Klein is Phoebe Cates. <laughs> well, Erica was asking, she came in and watched a couple of minutes of it. And she said like, yeah, he's not in movies much anymore. And I said, well, that's because they don't make movies that Kevin Klein can be in. Yeah. But also he's like semi retired, I think. And wouldn't you be if you married Phoebe Cates and now uh, their son is making movies. I think Owen Klein directed a movie last year. I haven't seen it, but I heard good things about it. Okay. Um. So, like, enjoy your life, you know? But I just, I'm trying to think of other yeah, Kevin Klein think. performances that I really love. And there are I mean, several. Obviously, obviously, Wild Wild West. Obviously. obviously, no mustache, right? No, no mustache. See? I'm <laughs> telling you. Uh, but, like, Soap Dish? Are you a Soap Dish fan? I have never seen Soap Dish. Soap Dish is really good. And, again, hasn't dated well because it's about something that no longer exists. Right. And there's some transphobic stuff and like it's one of those movies that is kind of stuck in 1991 when it came out. But amazing cast. Everyone's hilarious. Sally Field is so funny. Kevin Klein, so funny. Um, I recommend it with reservations. Okay. No mustache and the big chill. And not a great Kevin Klein performance and not a great movie. I know you guys he, did that for reserve seating yeah. and you guys were nicer to it than I am, but yeah, I, was I that one. do not love that movie. I, uh, well, cause Kevin Klein's tried kind of playing a straight man in that one, isn't he? Yeah. And it, I mean, I've liked him in dramas. I like him in Silverado, which is not a drama, but he's playing a dramatic role, you know? Um, where is Kevin Klein's performance in Fish Called Wanda on the Kenneth Branagh scale of eccentricity? Like, where is the <laughs> where? Like, because you you just you want to put both of them together, right? You want to have they ever have they ever right. co-starred? Would it be Would it be too much to have to have? They have Klein? co-starred. Have they co-starred? You literally just mentioned it. Wild Wild West. Oh my god, <laughs> Branagh is the villain in Wild Wild West. Both delivering very. Uh, oh no, I can't even say that. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> That's right. They're both in Wild. Wild. Yeah. I can't believe somebody let that happen. I don't know what they were thinking. Kevin Klein, not the problem with Wild Wild West. Not the problem. No, no, not the problem. There no. are other problems in Wild Wild West. Oh man. Um, Soap Dish is streaming. Remember the Flash. Anyway, sorry. I do. Uh, Soap Dish is streaming on HBO Max if you're interested. I will definitely add to the list. Hang on, let me add to the list. And yes, Soap I know dish. I like The Flash more than everybody else. I, I hear you smirking <laughs> out there. I, I Who's think smirking? That, People I loved that movie there. before it came out. I think. <laughs> that really um, seemed to be what happened, where like all the early word was yeah. very positive, and then it came out, and everyone's trying to distance themselves from no, having liked I it. Stay. I totally stand by my review of that movie. I appreciate I that. that. I admire that. Totally, totally fine. I think if you, whatever. Anyway, what was I looking? Oh, I was adding soap dish to my. You're work. writing down soap dish. You're writing down the bear, and you're writing bear. down happy endings. Uh, I also got mustache in here. Question mark. <laughs> like, should I grow one mustache? The answer is yes. Should just bring the mustache. It's a weird fashion choice for me. I will never fully understand the mustache, like the solo mustache. Nothing against anyone who goes solo mustache, but I, I couldn't like pull lot, it off. So, so what's happening right now, Patrick? I know you're a huge baseball fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the ball, the throwing, the bases. I'm um, all about it. 
he's all about it. yeah no a, a lot of baseball a lot of uh uh pitchers now are bringing back these big i see a lot of like relief pitchers in major league baseball bringing back the big mustaches and i'm always kind of like i don't are you being ironic like right. i can't tell i still don't know how ironic we are about the facial hair so i don't know again getting older shifting out of po- a, the age of pop culture i'm shifting out of that key demographic uh where i don't really understand and i'm in fact, often scared by things that I see. <laughs> um, the, the the high school boys—they've all got mullets again. I know what is happening. It's 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 interesting. It's uh, a so... trend at my kid's school for boys to get perms. Okay, I mean, what's going on? Whatever. I mean, do you know? You know, do your do your thing. Do do your do your thing. Whatever. Speaking of mustaches, in addition to rewatching some June exploitation bullshit and some 1960s movies, I've been rewatching a couple of Burt movies, mostly for mm-hmm. June exploitation. Um, and I rewatched White Lightning, which is a great Burt movie, would be improved by 33% if he had his mustache. Like Gator McCluskey, great character, great Burt performance, great movie. Gator McCluskey should have a mustache. No mustache. When else? Let's do this mustache rule again. Yeah. When does when? All right. When else does Burt not have a mustache? No mustache in Deliverance, right? No, it's basically like late sixties, early seventies. No mustache because he right. grows it and basically never looks back. Smoky, right? So around yeah. like longest yard. Uh, does he have mustache in longest yard? I haven't yeah. seen it in a long time. Oh, you know what? I know. I don't think he does. Well, he does on the poster. Okay, then I'm sure he does in the movie. He is also missing his shirt on the poster. Hey, now. I am a fan of Um Well, there's two. Hold on now. There's two. Oh, yeah. Look at that. You're, I'm, I, we're probably looking at the same thing. Kino just put out a 4K. There's one shot of him with a mustache it's, and one shot without. Could very easily be, be solved if one of us had recently seen <laughs> somebody out there. But the world's biggest, longest yard fan is going, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does yeah. Not. Um, all right. This mustache, I like this mustache rule. I like this. I like this thing. I like this thing we're doing. I here. can't say it's the secret to Bert's powers because no. he does have a lot of great non mustache performances. 100%. But whereas Kevin Klein has Kevin fewer. Kevin Klein, might, you might be on a sound with Kevin Klein. Yeah, I think I am. I think you are. I think we solved it. All right. Good. I think we, we solved that too. This is working out really well. We're solving a lot of shit. You know what? Let me throw one more thing in here since we're just like throwing all this shit in. Yeah, yeah. Been reading a lot of Stephen King. Okay. Stephen King? Yeah. Good. Yeah, I like what him. What do you even say? <laughs> he rules. <laughs> he does this amazing thing, and I've tried to articulate it before, and I can't do it very well, where he'll throw in one sentence in the middle of a chapter that's like... Scott hugged his mom goodbye, totally unaware that it's the last time he would ever see her. He went out the front door and you're like, wait, what? And now I have to keep reading because what do you mean this is the last time he's going to see her? Uh, he throws in these these throwaway things that hint at darker things to come and they make you keep reading. I just I, I did the stand in about five days. Holy shit. That's um, I, so it's summer so folks it's summertime and yeah. uh i my son loves trains so we ride trains a lot during the day That's so awesome. I, I for example yesterday i read dolores claiborne <laughs> holy cow <laughs> yesterday like i just read it on the train <laughs> that's um, amazing and i'm starting the kennedy book 11 22 63 i'm starting that tomorrow but i've knocked out about six king books since the end of may and i uh, i'm loving it 
I'm loving it, man. Dude, I have Dr. not Sleep. read Dolores Claiborne. That's, that book what? is so good. I love that movie, and I thought that book was even better. I like that movie a lot. Uh, I have not read the book. I read the book, the Kennedy one, but I never mm-hmm. watched the miniseries because I, I just couldn't buy James Franco in the lead. Franco, yeah. yeah. Um, I've never seen Dolores Claiborne, um, and I'm looking forward, now that I've read the book, seeing what the format of the book was, that it's all this sort of long confession that she's doing in yeah. the interrogation room, which I started reading, and I was looking at the chapters, and I'm like, oh, there are no chapters. Wait, what's going on? And then I started reading, and I was like, oh, oh okay, all right, you know, I'm into this, and it <laughs> made it read really easy. Um Excited to check that out now. I'm going to save that. Adam and I are going to do an unseen Stephen King adaptation uh, nice. piece in the next couple of weeks. Um, and I'm going to save Dolores Claiborne for that because now that I've read the book, I really want to see the movie. It's a good movie. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, happy last few days of June's exploitation. We're in the home stretch here. It ends uh, this Friday with Sequels Day. So let us know what you think of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which I assume most people will be watching for sequels day if they're able to get out to the theater. Uh, Rob will have already seen it, and I won't be seeing it until July 1st. So, you know, fuck everything. Well, you know. I was going to make a mustache joke, but you really can't with Harrison. No. has he? I mean, he's had a mustache, guy, right? He has to have had a mustache in the movie. I'm time. sure they'll give him one as Thunderbolt Ross now that they've recast him, which... I couldn't be less interested in, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, go to fthismovie.com every day for more cool shit like this. New podcasts every Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter at fthismovie. Email us at fthismoviepodcast at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash fthismovie for bonus fthismovie content. Thanks again, Rob. Parmesan, mozzarella, mussolini. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.